Welcome to Mercy Ministries, Episode 2. My name is Murray Satterfield, and this podcast was created to empower and encourage your walk with Christ. Our hope is to draw each listener closer to God. Our prayer is that the Spirit of the Lord will lead and guide you to all truth, wisdom, and understanding. Let's get into the Word. Psalm 77 is what we spoke on in our first episode. And in this episode, we are going to continue with this psalm. We kind of dealt with uh, Psalm 77, 1 through uh, 10. Um, And this episode, we're going to deal with 10 through 20, if we can get it all in, um, in this episode. And we pray that we can. Um, But... In Psalm 77, this is uh, the psalm of someone who's in a dark place. And he goes by the name of Asap. And Asap uh, begins to express himself. He is a worshiper. He is a composer. Um, he is a choir director. Um, when David uh, would move the Ark of the Covenant, Asap, the choir director, would start singing. And so he is a very gifted man who's close to the presence of God and he gets discouraged uh, to the place of hopelessness. And in his discouragement, he begins to have this conversation uh, with God. And in his prayer, we begin to see how he becomes combative and sarcasm comes out of him as he's talking to God. And we'll, we'll read the scripture here in just a few moments. Uh, but a friend of mine told me this about a past relationship of theirs. Uh, they were constantly the person who was to blame for anything that went on. Everything was always their fault. They could do nothing right. And the way that their spouse talked to them um, was very demeaning. And so they went to a counselor and they were talking to the counselor about it. And the counselor said this to them. And I want you I want you to hear this. Um, The counselor said that the reason uh, that his spouse could do this to him was because they were in a safe place. They were in a safe place. And the reason we can have this conversation with God is because he's our safe place. He's our hiding place. David says he's my refuge. So he's where I find safety. And so we can have these conversations with God because he's the safe place. He already knows our heart. He just wants to have this relationship with us. And so ASAP begins to express himself. And let's look at this real quick. Let's go to Psalms 77. 1 through 20. I cry out loud to God. I cry out loud and he hears me. In times of trouble, I pray to the Lord. All night long, I lift my hands in prayer, but I cannot find comfort. When I think of God, I sigh. 
When I meditate, I feel discouraged. He keeps me awake all night. I am so worried that I cannot speak. I think of days gone by and remember years of long ago. I spend the night in deep thought. I meditate. And this is what I ask myself. Will the Lord always reject us? Will he never again be pleased with us? Has he stopped loving us? Does his promise no longer stand? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has anger taken the place of his compassion? Then I said, what hurts me the most is this, that God is no longer powerful. I will remember your great deeds, Lord. I will recall the wonders you did in the past. I will think about all that you have done. I will meditate on all your mighty acts. Everything you do, O God, is holy. No God is as great as you. You are the God who works miracles. You showed your might among the nations. By your power, you saved your people, the descendants of Jacob and of Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, they were afraid, and the depths of the sea trembled. The clouds poured down rain, thunder crashed from the sky, and the lightning flashed in all directions. The crash of your thunder rolled out. The flashes of lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. You walk through the waves. You cross the deep sea. But the footprints, but your footprints could not be seen. You led your people like a shepherd with Moses and Aaron in charge. One through nine, we, we hear his discouragement come out in his conversation. He's yelling at God at the top of his lungs and God is listening to him. And he, he finds himself in trouble and he went looking for God. His life has this open wound that wouldn't be healed. And we talked about open wounds in our lives that uh, are not healed yet. And he said everything that his friends even tried to tell him, you know, everything's going to be all right. He did not believe a word that they said. He is discouraged. He is wanting relief. He's in anguish. I know what I'm talking about here. He's wondering, where is God when it hurts? Where is God when I'm lonely? Where is God when anxiety is beating up my mind, my body, and my soul? He's yelling out to God. He refused comfort. We've all been there. We're tired of, tired of the same old answers. We're ready for something to take place. His sarcasm takes over. Just my luck. The high God goes out of business just the moment I need him. So we walk through that this is an authentic prayer and that it's okay for us to have a conversation with God because he is our safe place, even with the things we're worried about. If you recall, uh, we talked about how if you cast your cares upon him for he careth for you. See, the level of our worry reflects the size of our faith. So in this prayer, Asap is pouring out his heart. And I'm going to start this episode at verse number 10. 
before I get started, I want to give you this quote by Donald Hicks. He says, to follow God, one must be a little out of their mind and into their spirit. One more time. To follow God, one must be out of their mind and into their spirit. If we look at verse 10 again, this was, this was the climax, if you will, of his sarcasm. In verse 10, he talks about how the high God goes out of business just the moment I need him. What ASAP is talking about now, he's, he's dealing with proximity. God feels far away. There's distance between me and thee. It doesn't feel like he's near. It doesn't feel like he cares. When God seems distant, we must call to him and trust in his unfailing love. It's at that moment that we have to dig in. At those times, when it seems as if God has turned his back, we must deliberately, intentionally trust the fact that he loves us with an unfailing love, that he's the God that told us that he would never leave us nor forsake us, even though it may seem that way for a while. In 2015, after going through a divorce and the church I was pastoring closed its doors, it felt like I hit rock bottom. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it felt like when I looked up, I was looking up at my bottom. Anybody know what that feels like? This was the lowest of lows for me. I was so consumed with myself and what I did and what I thought and what I thought I lost and those friends I thought I lost because of my actions. I became consumed with failure. I was so consumed that I wasn't eating. Uh, I was present, but not there. I was so consumed that I forgot that no matter how big my sin was, it would never be bigger than my God's mercy, my God's grace, my God's love. So it can never be bigger than my God. When we magnify our problems, making them bigger than God, it's hard to view repentance as the answer to my soul pain. Mm. Sin causes soul pain. Can Satterfield help someone? Soul pain is a combination of several things. It's, it's like physical pain, emotional pain, and spiritual distress. Because my attitude and my behavior has caused me to have distance with God. And the impact of sin is sending distress signals all over my mind, my body, and my soul. Now, God is near, but he sent me to my room because disobedience has caused spiritual distress. It felt like I had lost everything, and the only thing I had was the memory of God. I pray you grab this right here, and that is repentance is about remembering God. Repentance. Repentance, it's, it, it, it's not just confessing. God doesn't merely want us to confess with our mouth uh, our past wrongs, but he wants us to have a different inner attitude towards them. Did you hear me? A different inner attitude towards them. That's true repentance. To repent means to view something as sinful, to have a different view of those past misdeeds 
and to determine to do what is right and press forward. David repents in Psalms 51, 1 through 3. He says, generous in love, God, give grace. You're huge in mercy. He says, blot out my transgression. In other words, take out this bad record. Wipe out my bad record. Anybody want God to just wipe out your bad record? That's what the cross did. He says, scrub away my guilt. Soak out my sins in your laundry, God. I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. You are the one I violated against. You've seen it all. Another translation says, against you and you only, God, have I sinned. You have all the facts before you. What you decide, God, about me is fair. I've been out of step with you for a long time. I've been in the wrong since I was born. What you're after is truth from the inside out. Inner me. Conceive a new true life in me. Renew a right spirit in me. David goes on to say, set these once broken bones to dancing. Another translation says, my bones have been broken into pieces. And that's what we should feel when we disappoint God by walking in sin. He's given reference to it's, it's what they did in war. They would capture their enemy. They would put them on a rock, strap them down to the rock, and then drop heavy metal on them to break their bones into pieces. This is torture. This, is, this causes sorrow. And that's the mentality of a kingdom citizen. When they sin against God, they feel this type of sorrow because God has been so good to us. He says, teach me. He said, if you deliver me from this, I'll teach other ones. I'll teach other people, other people who rebel your ways so the lost can find their way home. (laughs) Remember the quote? To follow God, one must be a little out of their mind and into their spirit. So yes, repentance is key. It is the key, and it takes faith to repent. Look at Asaph as he pivoted in his hopelessness and discouragement towards God. And if you want to know how to get out of a bad attitude, how to get out from discouragement, how to get out from self-pity, you have to pivot towards God. You have to pivot towards God. In verse 11, he says, once again, I'll go over what God has done. He says, I will remember the Lord's work. Sometimes you have to make your mind remember the history of God. You have to make yourself remember the history. Hear me, I'm just going to throw this in. When you go to judge somebody, remember the history of God when he gave you mercy, when he gave you love, when he showed you compassion, 
when you deserved to be exposed, but yet God healed your wound without nobody knowing it. Remember the Lord. He says, I'll go over what God has done. I'll go over it. Lay it on the table, his ancient wonders. I'll ponder all the things you've accomplished and give a long, loving look at your acts. What has God done? That's where I have to go. When I feel hopelessness, when I feel anxiety, what has God done? God is ready to defend his servants, his people. And the memory of him is fit for a servant who has faith in him. He says, I will meditate on your work. Asap is saturating his mind, hear me, with the memory of God's grace. He's saturating his mind. So if I want to stop talking bad about myself and get out of this rut, I have to saturate my mind of the things that God has done. Philippians 4 and 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence... If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So if I want to get out of this rut of stinking thinking, I have to start thinking on the things of God. So it is good that the, the overflow of the mouth should indicate the good matter which fills the heart. So my mouth, I got to start confessing the good things of God. Look what David does in Psalms uh, 9. He says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wondrous deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. So David begins this repetition of I will. <laughs> I will give thanks. I will recount your wonders. I will be glad and exalt you. I will sing your praises. David takes the focus off of his struggle and he shifts that focus from his problem to the problem solver, from the lack of resources to the source of his joy, from panic to I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. Asaph says, I will go over what God has done. I will remember the Lord. I will remember his deeds. What has God done? He has blessed us. If we looked at Ephesians uh, chapter 1, I believe around verse number 3, the Father has blessed us. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. That means in Christ we have received all the benefits of a relationship with him. We have to remember that. We got to get that in our spirit. We have been chosen by him. We have received his salvation. We've been adopted as his children. We've been forgiven. We've received insight into the things of the Spirit. We can have joy now because the blessing 
is ours. What has God done? I'm still in Ephesians. Verse number four of Ephesians uh, 1 and 4. He has chosen us. Chosen us in him. This emphasizes salvation depends totally on him and not on us. Thank God for Jesus. We are not saved because of our works. Because of something we've done. We don't deserve this. But because God's free and gracious salvation. We now have access to the Father. In Ephesians 5. I'm sorry, Ephesians 1, 5 through 11, he starts talking about predestination. He has predestined us. This means, uh, 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 the word predestined means marked out beforehand. Oh, that's reason right there to give God some glory. That before the world was formed, he predestined, he marked us out beforehand. He made us accepted. I'm still in Ephesians chapter 1. He has redeemed us, Ephesians 1 and 7. He has, he has bounded towards us, Ephesians 1 and 8. He has made known unto us his love and his mercies, Ephesians 1 and 9. He has given us an inheritance. This is what God has done. He has sealed us. Oh, yes. The Holy Spirit is the seal. It is uh, the earnest or the pledge of our inheritance. The word seal means to stamp. It's the signet, a private mark for security. To keep secret, to attest. We use the word seal to denote several things. We seal things for security reasons, to hide them, to confirm them, or testify to something. This is what God has done. The Holy Spirit has sealed us. Psalms 111 says, The Lord does not let us forget his wondrous actions. He is kind and merciful. Spurgeon says, it is God's design that his wonderful works should be remembered. So if we want to get out of the complaining and the murmuring, we have to remember what has God done for us? And just as a reminder, we're not going to outdo Jesus. If they hated him, you're going to get some hate. If they talked about him, People are going to talk about us. We have to remember what he has done. Back to Psalm 77, verse 13 through 15. It says, Oh God, your way is holy. No God is great like God. No God, little g, is great like God, big G. You are the God who works wonders. See, with God, you get a little bit of the good and the great blended together. He surpasses both of them. This is about a relationship. If I ignore this relationship with God, I'll miss out on the good and the great blend. He's a God that makes things happen. 
That's what he's talking about. He says, I remember you're a God that makes something happen. Who am I talking to? You need God right now to make something happen. Father, in the name of Jesus, whoever this is for, I speak life to their situation. Lord, begin to move and make some things happen that will bring glory and honor to your name. He's a God that makes things happen. And I like what Asaph begins to do. He begins to talk about this wondrous work of the Lord and how he rescued the children of Jacob and Joseph in their time of trouble. So what is he talking about here? He, he's dealing with Exodus when the children of Israel were finally freed from Pharaoh's hand. And as they were leaving Egypt and Pharaoh decided that they were going to go back after them. Asaph is recalling those things that took place there. He said, the ocean saw you in action. The ocean saw you and trembled with fear. Deep oceans were scared to death. Clouds bleached buckets of rain. The sky exploded with thunder. Your arrows flashing, in other words, lightning flashing. There was a whirlwind of your thunderous voice. Lightning exposed the world and the earth trembled. He says, you strolled right through the ocean. Walk straight through the roaring ocean, but nobody saw you come or go. ASAP is, is trying to explain to us what took place in Exodus chapter 14. Here's this revelatory insight in Exodus chapter 14, uh, verse number 15. He says, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. And sometimes that's what we have to do. We're going through tough times. And the Lord just wants us to move forward. The enemy wants us to stay in our complaints, to wallow in our pity, to judge everyone around us. But God is saying, move forward. He says, and as for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry land. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. Then I will gain honor by means of Pharaoh and all his army and chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of God who had gone before the camp of Israel withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of clouds also moved from before them and stood behind them so that it came between the camps of Egypt and Israel. And right now we're in this spiritual warfare and there's something that's standing between your sorrows consuming you and the peace of God, my Lord. He says, so all night long, neither camp went near the other. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all night the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind and turned it into a dry land so the waters were divided. And Asaph, his record of that, I like what he says. He says that the waters were pushed back, that the ocean saw him and they were afraid. The ocean saw you in action. 
and it was afraid. It trembled. The deep ocean, the, the abyss of the ocean, saw God and began to tremble. See, only the presence of God can push back to see. And so the sea saw it. And it was afraid. The cave of the abyss saw God and became fearful. The water rushed away from its place in terror of the God of Israel. So the water saw God and was afraid. But man can't discern him and walk in love, grace, peace, forgiveness. The sea separated when the glory of his majesty showed up. It caused the sea to fall back. Lord, walk through our lives. Asap said he remembered how great God was and that God's presence pushed back this sea. Come on, imagine this in your mind. That Moses stretched forth his staff, but it wasn't really the staff. God, God was just wanting Moses to be obedient. But when he raised his staff, it's almost like the presence of God. He steps out of glory and begins to walk through the sea. And the glory of God began to push back the ocean because it feared its creator. Ah, my God. And that's what I want God to do. In times of darkness, I need him to move through my life. Lord, move through here and set crooked ways straight. Lord, move through the deepness of my anger. Move through the deepness of my mind. Move through here, God, and allow us to walk in the victory you have designed for us. We honor you, Lord. Walk through here. I encourage you, remember God. Be authentic in your prayer, but remember God and how great he is. And I just believe God will begin to walk through those situations with you. And you'll see the love, the peace, and the victory of God in your life. Thank you for joining us on the Mercy Podcast. Our prayer is that together we will grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you have not given your life to Christ Jesus, we pray that you will repent, leave that old life behind you, and accept your kingdom citizenship and walk in a new life. The finished work of the cross was just for you. This is the Mercy Podcast. <laughs>